Yo, what up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill, presented by Deep Dive Sports. I am your host, Nick, for this episode, and I am joined by David and Dom. What's up, everyone? Heck yeah, we are super excited to bring you our eighth episode of Two Minute Drill now. We are pushing right along as we continue on with the NFL season. We are always going to start with our first down. And our first topic in first down is uh, what did we take away from this past week in the NFL or in football in general? David, what'd you take away? That was one heck of a Browns game. Let's just say that. Yep. Uh, at first, when we did our kind of like picks, like our predictions for the week of who would win each game, I thought it was going to be Denver at first, mainly because of all the injuries that uh, the Browns had attained from their loss against well technically throughout the season but mainly against the cardinals and then they come around and show up on thursday night football what was it like four days rest not even Mm -hmm. and not necessarily blowout i mean it was 17 14 but at the end of the day a win's a win no matter what yeah well i think the the box score in that game made the game look a little bit closer than it actually was because Den- Denver scored with like what four minutes to go and then never got the ball back. Mm. Um, but I think that the Browns benefited from, you know, a couple you know, judge Wills came back. Um, Jarvis Landry came back, but the Ernest Johnson showed up and um, case Keaton showed that he can play. I mean, we all knew that he could play. He's, he's a serviceable backup, but Mm-hmm. You know, he, he showed that he can run the system and didn't turn the ball over and just did what he had to do. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Case Keaton is probably one of the better backups leagues, so the Browns kind of won on that one by having him behind Baker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you uh, take from this week, Dom? Are you going to go with the Browns? No. Um, well, first, I, I usually don't like to admit that you were right, but I remember earlier in the season when we were doing picks, um, the – Ravens and, and Chiefs game. I was talking about how the, the Chiefs were, you know, still the Chiefs. Um, then I remember you were saying how bad their defense was. And I was like, no, nah, they'll be fine. Well, you were right. Uh, I, I think that the Chiefs are, the, 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 the Chiefs offense is okay. There's a, there's a little bit of a drop off. Pat Mahomes doesn't look like himself really. Um, but that defense is bad. I, I think I saw a stat that the Chiefs defense and the Seahawks defense are both on pace to let up more yards than any other defense in NFL history. And um, I was watching some of the game film today, and that, that defense just looks lost. You got guys running out of position, don't know where to be. It, it's just bad. Um, and I, I don't think they can recover from it. I think that defense is so bad that not even Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill can you know, cover up those deficiencies. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the problem is, is like the Chiefs this year almost remind me of you know, like the Steelers last year, like probably the Steelers this year as well, too. There's, they don't have an offensive line. Like, nobody's blocking for them. They don't have a run game. And if they're relying on those, you know, big over-the-top plays, the defenses, all they have to do is drop their safeties back, you know, 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. And then as long as, you know, you double cover Tyree Kill and whoever else they have on the other side being a speedster, that he, he doesn't have enough time to go through all his progressions to then dump it off to either, yeah. you know, the tight ends over the middle or whoever they have in the slot, because they're just, I mean, everybody is getting to him. I don't think it matters. You could have the worst pass rush in the league and they're, they're getting to Patrick Mahomes every single play. 
And I don't no. think it's really necessarily his fault that they're in the position that they're in because he's trying everything he can to fix it. But that defense is just – It kind of is his fault. Well, I mean – He has a part to play in it when he's, when he's taken up, you know, what, a third of the salary cap? <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you on that one. But, like, looking forward, he, he kind of took a more team-friendly deal as well too because you got to think – two or three years down the road, instead of quarterbacks making $40 million a year, they're, they're going to be taking up, you know, 45, $48 million a year. That that's going to be the next, the new max. Yeah. So yeah, right now he's eating up a bunch of the cap, but like in two or three years, they're going to be right back in a situation where he's actually probably on a quarterback friendly deal for how good he is, but he just got his money pretty much all held up up front. And then that helps them right. out in the long run. But it's it's really just a combination of them. I think they thought they retold that offensive line, but it's just not working. Well, one one stat that I saw um, about the game against the Bills, guess um, Josh Allen's average um, yards per completion for that game. Twenty. Pretty damn close. He averaged he, twenty yards per completion. Yeah. That, I don't care how good your offense is. When you have a quarterback that's as good as Josh Allen, and you're letting him get 20 yards per completion, yeah, that's crazy. You're not you're not stopping them. Well, I mean, the only person in the secondary that can do anything is Tyron Matthew, and I mean, he's just he can't do everything. And he's he's lost a step. He, I mean, he there's a reason why they didn't re up his deal. Well, he hasn't lost a step. The problem is too is like it's almost like like we were talking to you know you were we were talking about Joe Hayden for different reasons you know before, but. A lot of people thought Joe Hayden lost a step with the Browns, but to be fair, the Browns didn't have anybody else in that secondary at that time that could help him out. And when he went over to the Steelers, there were other guys in that secondary that could play on a higher level, and he showed out that he could still be a number one corner at, at that time when he went over there. So I think Tyron Matthew in a secondary where he had other guys that could play up to that level, he would he would start to look better. But right now, he's trying to do everything he can to cover up and help out where he can, and he just he can't do everything because they don't even have guys who can really pass rush the quarterback either. So he's really kind of just back there on an island, hoping helping the team not really get burnt too much. Yeah, and the only guy that they have up front that can really do anything is Chris Jones. But for my one thing, um, <laughs> I know Greg's not here to kind of answer for it, but I think he'll be on Ohio verse later <laughs> in the week. But listen, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they're, they're here. They're here. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else anybody wants to say about it. You can side with Greg and say that they're a crap team. That's fine. It's just not true. That that defense is performing, I, I think, above what everybody thought they were going to. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are looking to be the next great quarterback wide receiver tandem for the next you know 10 years, however long they can keep it together. So it's going to be super interesting going forward. You know, they're in first place there. Um, I know that their record is tied with with the Ravens, but they're, they're in first, so we'll see what kind of goes forward going forward, but they're here, and I think that they're here to stay for however long they can keep it moving. So, But to move on to topic two for first down, what is uh, one player that you would like everyone to watch out for, you know, in this coming week, and why? We'll, uh, we'll start with David. Uh, for me, it's more of a matchup than anything, uh, and for me, it's the kind of like the Patriots versus the Chargers game being Mac Jones versus um, Justin Herbert. I don't know why I was drawing a blank on that for a second, but I would like to see how the future of the NFL looks between two of the younger players with being Herbert in his second year, Mac Jones 
in this first. So I would like to see how that kind of plays out. Okay. Dom, uh, what do you have? So my player for this week is OBJ. And I think, you know, me as a Browns fan, I was kind of skeptical of the trade from the beginning, but obviously willing to give it a shot because I'm going to support the Browns no matter what. And at the time, OBJ was a you know one of the best receivers in the game. But I, I don't think there's any more excuses that can be made. You can't just blame his lack of production on lack of chemistry with Baker because um, Case Keenum didn't even target him. He's had a, a bunch of key drops um, in the Chargers game. Um, and then against Arizona, uh, I think he had another big drop earlier in the season. Yeah, it. I get he's he's been injured, but you know he, you're on the field. He's when you're on the field, you're expected to perform. You're obviously healthy enough to play. The knee isn't an issue anymore. He's able to make all of his cuts. He's able to run at full speed. I don't know. It, it's just it, it's time for him to start showing up because there's no more excuses that can be made, especially uh, the fact that. Almost every receiver outside of Odell seems to have a perfectly fine chemistry to some degree, at least enough to do their jobs. Right. And, you know, I, I think we we can all admit now that he's not going to be the receiver that we thought that, that we were getting. He's not, you know, an elite receiver anymore, but he he's still talented enough to be serviceable. He's talented. He's talented enough to be better than what the. 80th ranked wide receiver on uh, pro football focus right now. The, there's something, something up. And it, I don't know if it's just doesn't, he doesn't fit well with the scheme with Kevin Stefanski, or maybe he's just, he's just done. Maybe all the injuries over the years have, have started to take their toll, but no, it, it's, it's time to put up or shut up. I think for, for OBJ. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of that is just injuries. He's just super injury prone. And, you know, I don't even know if it's injury prone. I just think he's had a lot of bad luck injuries. You know what I mean? A lot of season-ending injuries that it's just bad luck. That's how it goes sometimes. Some guys just, they can't, it can't stop happening to them. I don't know. But I think that this will probably be his last season with the Browns, whether or not they trade him at yeah. the deadline or they just cut him at the end of the season. I think it kind of just depends on on how they do it. But it, I think they'll, they'll trade him at the end of the season, they're, they're not going to be able to get anything for him at the trade deadline. I just, I don't, I don't see anybody giving up anything other than maybe like a sixth or a fifth for him at the most. It's just, yeah. and then at that point, I don't know. I, I think nobody's really going to want to do it because then they don't really want to pay in the salary to be the third string wide receiver on your team. So yep. you might as well, they, they, they're probably just gonna have to cut him, And then unfortunately he's probably going to go to a team, you know, that, and take less money to play with like a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, maybe a Matthew Stafford out in LA and just have, you know, a person who's just willing to throw the football around and then maybe he can get, you know, receptions that way and, and kind of revitalize his career. Almost kind of like Antonio Brown down there in Tampa, I would say he's revitalized his career, but he's shown that he can still be productive and that he still has the talent to be a wide receiver. League, so, but for me, I think I, my player is to watch is going to be two players. It's going to be um, Diggs with Dallas and then TJ Watt with the Steelers because I think those guys are one and two in the defensive player of the year voting. And I'm super interested to see if they can continue um, racking up those stats. I think Diggs obviously was on um, I think every single game this season. He's had an interception. It was like seven interceptions through the first um, six weeks or something like that. And then I think – Watt had like three forced fumbles on the season and 
five or six sacks or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue this pace for the rest of the season after their bye weeks. And I'm kind of just looking for them to have another big performance, especially to see if Diggs can continue that interception streak. So that'll be crazy. But just to move on so we don't get stuck on this, we are going to move on to second down. And in our first topic for second down, you know me, I love college football. So we're going to talk a little bit of college football. If you guys weren't watching college football this past weekend, you missed a, I think it was a little over four hour game between Penn State and Illinois where they went nine overtimes. I just wanted to get how the guys felt about the nine overtimes in general and then how they feel about this new college football OT that was kind of changed up for this season. So just to kind of give you everybody a context of the overtime rule, the first overtime is pretty much the same as what we've always had. Each team gets a chance to score. If, you know, they're still tied after the first overtime, they go into the second overtime. Again, each team gets a, a chance to score, but instead of taking a field goal, they have to go for a two-point conversion. If after the second overtime, they're still tied, then they go into the third overtime, and every overtime after that, they just exchange two-point conversions, almost kind of like um, a penalty kick in soccer or a shootout in hockey. They just go one play, one play, one play, one play until one team scores and the other one doesn't. And this happened to go nine overtimes for almost four and a half hours. So Dom, how do you, how do you feel about the rule change? Do you like it? Do you not like it? And then how do you feel about, you know, us kind of witnessing almost the result of that change in this nine overtime game? I look, I was I was skeptical of the the rule change at first, um, but I I actually like it. It's I think a little bit more exciting because you get one play to to make a difference in the game instead of you know multiple you know four down drives. It's one two point conversion. You keep going until you score. Um, I like it. Um, this game was exciting. Um, it definitely kept you on the edge of your seat. I think. I, don't know, I have mixed emotions about the the overtime. I I get it was nine overtimes in you know longest game in college football history, but man, some of the, the execution on some of those plays sucked. <laughs> the the amount of drops that I saw in the end zone that could have ended the game, you know, after the third, I, I think the third and the sixth overtime, I think both teams had a couple drops in the end zone. Like you got to hang on to those passes, you know. I. It went to nine overtimes. I don't think it should have went that long. It players executed. It definitely would have ended sooner, but it was an exciting game. Okay. Uh, what do you have? First of all, when did this game decide to become a wanted to be a baseball lookalike in terms of time length? Yeah, man. I, the length yeah. of play is something uh, football really needs to start worrying about because games are getting long, man. Well, and I think the problem that was, that was, that was like, sarcasm. I'm making a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the problem with this game was like it's it's not the fact that because once you got to the third one, you were kind of just doing one play and then one team would come off. But I think it lasted so long because you got to pull the offense and defense off and then switch it up and then obviously they probably do like a commercial break or something stupid. You know what I mean? So it's like that's probably what's really adding time to it instead of like instead of just trying to rally this off, you know what I mean? It'd be more, but I'll let David continue. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it, I like the concept that they were trying to go with there in the sense that it's, it's worked for other sports, but I don't know how it really fits with the format that football is set up to be because it's not, 
because here's what essentially European football and hockey are is essentially one V one. Technically it's one on one, not 11 on 11. So while I, I understand and like the concept, I just don't know how long this will last. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like, you know, after you score a touchdown, you go for two, you get one shot at it. Or if you're going for it on fourth down, you get one shot at it. You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's just, I going for no no I I like it I I think the I think the, like you get the one chance to score is super interesting one thing that I think might even be more fun I think you do it to where like you do the first overtime and then but instead of having it to where they can kick a field goal after they score I think then that first overtime you should have to do the two point conversion and then if you don't if they're still tied after that I think when it goes into the second overtime that's when it should start the two-point conversions back-to-back. And I think once you get to the fifth overtime, instead of continuing, I think something that might be more fun and maybe underlooked is that the fifth overtime, that's the most you can go is five overtimes. And in that fifth overtime, you bring your kickers out there and you start at the 15-yard line <laughs> and everybody and everybody exchanges kicks and see how far you can go back until one misses. I think that would be awesome. Only and because, that, that's probably what they – No one would take that seriously. No, but, I mean, seriously, like, it's – like, that's that's a facet of the game. Nobody nobody sits there and goes, like, oh, my gosh, the kicker is so important. But, I mean, we've seen it in the NFL this year. Like, think about the, the Bengals-Packers game. I think I'm going to miss field goals were in that game that could have ended that game. Like, the Packers could have ended the game at any point. The Bengals could have ended the game at any point. And the game was won on a field goal. You know what I'm saying? Right. No one was, wants to watch a kick fest. No. Like if they bring the kickers out there for a six overtime, like, oh, let's see how many field goals they can make in a row. I'm like, all right, I'm changing the channel. I lost all interest in this. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get but it. Honestly, that would be I since I think that would be more of what I was trying to get at. The one on one. Yeah. Have it be kick it kicker versus kicker. I know, I know it's not I know it's not sexy. You know what I mean? Like like doing just this two point conversion until somebody wins, but it's it's more it's more about skill. It's about who has who's the best. Like I think that if you if you had to sit there and put the game in your I mean, that's kind of the same thing. No, but it's it's just so. I, because I feel like again, like everybody's just like, oh, you're just a kicker. You're you're just gonna you're just here to kick the extra point. Like we don't really need you to hit field goals, especially in college football. They're not really kicking field goals that much. You know what I mean? That's that's more of like an NFL thing. And even then, I feel like people still just view them as like, oh, you're just a kicker. Here's a couple million dollars a year. You're just gonna just just try to stay as in shape yeah. as you can, I guess. But and then, uh, I, I'm very anti kicker, so <laughs> if it was up to me, the c- kicking wouldn't even be a facet of the game. So I I, I kind of don't like this overtime idea. Nick. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> well, we'll move on to topic two then, since Dom does not like kickers. Make sure you put that on a bumper <laughs> sticker, your shirt, and uh, tell all your kicker not- friends that Dom does not like kickers. You can find him at the address of – no, I'm just kidding. All right, topic two. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of, you know, heard all the rumors in the news about you know the Dolphins maybe going out and getting Deshaun Watson obviously he's still going through his own issues (laughs) we won't get into that too much everybody probably already knows enough about it but the topic at hand is are the Dolphins giving up on Tua so I kind of wanted to give you know get get the guys opinions on if they were in the Dolphins front office what are they thinking about Tua and his future with the team Uh, David we'll start with you I would avoid 
Deshaun Watson at all, pretty much at all costs at this present moment. Yeah. It's like I, I understand that it, the rule of law is innocent until proven guilty, but kind of like going back to the raid on the uh, Washington football team, it doesn't, although yes, that raid was just about the trainer, it doesn't look good for the NFL or the specific team that they're involved with. So until that really kind of clears the air for Deshaun, I would avoid Deshaun Watson for this present moment. Okay. Dom, uh, if you were in the Dolphins front office, what, what are you feeling about, you know, to his future with it? Definitely looking at it a little bit more carefully than I would have at the beginning of the season. Don't get me wrong, he's you know he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's someone that's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise. Yeah, you know, I, I think the skill might be a little bit lacking. You know, he's we all know that how injury prone he is. I, I think you really got to start questioning if he's the guy. Um, obviously, in the, the the draft this year, the quarterbacks aren't really that highly rated, um, so I understand why they're you know looking to bring in someone like Deshaun Watson, but. You know, we don't know if or when he's going to be playing again. So if I were them, I wouldn't be looking at, at Watson for now because uh, I don't want to give up multiple ones and multiple twos for a guy that isn't going to play this year and might be suspended all of next year. Um, you know, obviously, if, if it were up to me, he wouldn't be allowed back in the league. But that's, you know, different topic for a different day. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I think they'll look to bring in the vet this year. Um, in the off season, maybe offload to a um, to a team that maybe has an aging quarterback that he can maybe sit under for a year because um, he never really had an opportunity to do so. Um, and yeah, I, I I think they'll they'll move on if the right situation comes because you know the, this team is it, it, it it's good on paper. Um, I, I think two is kind of holding them back. If they get a good veteran quarterback, this team could be contending for a playoff spot. I mean, hell, they went, what, 10 and 6 last year and just barely missed out on the playoffs? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, man. That's like, that that team was a fringe playoff team last year. And I think something that was, like, way more telling than I think what people wanted to believe was that even though they made the decision to go to Tua when they did, they would pull him out of games in big-time moments and put Fitzpatrick back in. That was, like way more than anything and now he's the only guy there and he has to play in those big moments at the end of games or even during throughout the game and we're seeing that he can't do it and well i think because i think pulling him out last year hurt his development because he never he never learned in those situations yeah you know that's fair too and i if in that's why I was trying to get to that point too, was like, like you said, it, it kind of hurt his development there. And I think honestly, if I was in the front office, I would hold on to Tua and let him be the quarterback for the remainder of this year and then going into next year. But like you said, I would, I would be trying to find a veteran guy to kind of stick behind him. Almost kind of like what the um, Titans did with Ryan Tannehill, how they went out and got Ryan Tannehill. He sat there behind Marcus Mariota, and then when Marcus Mar- Mariota, part of the way through the season, he I think he got hurt, and Ryan Tannehill came in, and he just was he never gave the job back. So I don't really, other than maybe Mitchell Trubisky, which is still kind of shaky. I don't know if there's another guy out there that they can go get to to do the same thing with. 
But, you know, Trubisky's the only guy that kind of comes to, to mind at this point. But it definitely would be interesting because, like you said, there's really no quarterback in this draft class. Weirdly, we, we, might, we might see a draft class where a quarterback doesn't go in the top 10 for the first time in the past maybe like six or seven drafts maybe. So Yeah. And that'll be that. I mean, we're talking about maybe not even in the first round. You might not even see a quarterback go in the first round, which I don't think we've ever not had. Maybe more towards the beginning of the NFL, but I don't know. It'll definitely be interesting. But to finish out our second down, we are going to finish with our third topic. And I wanted the guys to compile their top four teams for each conference. So I think what we'll do is. We're going to go ahead and let Dom go ahead and give his top four for the AFC. And then David and I will kind of give our reactions and let everybody know if we were, you know, in the same boat as Dom and a little bit different of, you know, a mindset or if we think Dom's list is completely crazy. Go ahead, Dom. Number one, I, I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. Um, that offense is just too damn good. Um, their defense is the best in the league. I think, you know, the, the game against the Chiefs is exactly what they needed to kind of get back on track because their offense wasn't looking as good as it was last year. Um, I, I think now they're rolling. Their defense is still rolling. I, I think there's no holes in this team. So I think they're number one. Uh, number two, um, I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans. They've really impressed me the last couple weeks. Um, I think Derrick Henry should definitely be in the MVP conversation. Their defense is looking better than I thought that it would be. Um, Ryan Tannehill's, you know, being Ryan Tannehill, he's not really messing up. I think they're definitely solidified at number two. Um, number three, this is starting to get pretty tough. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the Bengals. And, you know, beginning of the year, I thought they would be better, but still towards the bottom of the conference. But Joe Burrow's the real deal. Um, Jamar Chase shown that all the offseason drama that he had kind of a bunch of BS. He's, you know, running away with rookie of the year conversation. Um, I think he's going to prove to be one of the better wide receivers in the league. That defense is looking good. Um, the offensive line's looking better every week. I think this team is, is they're here and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. Um, number four, I'm going to, I'm still going to say the Browns. Um, I know they're, you know, a fringe playoff team right now, but I think, I think fully healthy. I, I, I still think this is a team that's, that can do some damage. You know, they, they put up 40, I know they lost against the Chargers, but they still put a 40, 40 something points on the Chargers. Um, they were, you know, uh, one or two plays away from beating the Chiefs. So, I mean, we're, we're a couple plays away from being a five-and-one football team. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think fully healthy this Browns team is good. Even with all the injuries, the defense has stepped up. Players have stepped up. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still, still pretty high on the Browns, but obviously not as high as I was going into the season. I, I, was, I wasn't mad about your list. I, I don't have the Titans in in my top four but I think that you're just kind of being a little bit of a, a homer there with the Browns they're, they're not even a top six team in the AFC at point not even not even when they were kind of all healthy and they were all together like that's just not I don't I don't really think that that's even possible like 
especially now, especially now when they're they're pretty much like Baker's pretty much done for the season. I don't think we're going to see him again. And they're really only have Jarvis Landry at wide receiver because Odell is like, I don't, we don't even know if he's really going to be what he was, even a percentage of that. And they're without what? How long's Chubb out for? A couple more weeks? Uh, no, he'll he'll probably he practiced. Okay. Um, he was cleared to practice, so he'll be back against the Steelers. Okay, so he'll be back against Steelers, maybe miss a week, we don't know, and then hunts out for like another four weeks, I think. So I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't think that they're a fourth the fourth team in there. I will agree with you that I had the Bills one, I had the Chargers two, I did have the Bengals three, and then I had the Raiders four. Um I only had the Raiders four because they continued to win the past two weeks after everything that happened with Gruden. And I think if they're able to find a way to win through all of that, I think that they have the determination and the grit to kind of find their way into the playoffs and maybe even fight their way through the playoffs. So kind of going off with David's pick, I think David had them as one of the final four teams when we kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But um, what did you think about Dom's list there, David? And then did you have anything different than what the two of us had? Not really in terms of real change in the list, because I also had Buffalo, Tennessee in there, as well as Las Vegas. And the only real change that I probably would throw in there would possibly be Baltimore. Okay. Because it's like at the start of the season, kind of like Cincinnati, they started essentially at rock bottom because they had what? Like five guys have – season-ending injuries before the season even started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their whole running back room was gone. (laughs) Yeah. And that's at least. Um, And right now they're tied for first, Mm -hmm. at least win-wise and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, that's the only real change I would throw in there. Okay. Yeah. I, I struggled. I struggled between them and the Raiders at four. Like, because realistically, I didn't even have the Titans. I think and they probably wouldn't even be top five for me right now. Like I like the Titans and I like Derrick Henry a lot. Like I think he'll probably be in the MVP conversation at the end of the season. But the only reason, like, I just don't know if he's going to be able to sustain that throughout the season. Cause you got to look at his carries throughout the season, like week two, 35, week three, 28, then he got 33, 29, 20 and 29. So he's pushing, like he's averaging probably almost 30 carries a week. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up especially going into the playoffs without any setbacks, injuries. And then if a team just hones in on him and they just commit to stopping him, I like Ryan Tannehill, but I don't know if he's going to be able to make the throws to win games, you know, against guys like Herbert, Burrow, Josh Allen, you know what I mean? Derek Carr, like, I just think those guys are like a little bit of a step above him. You know what I mean? He's kind of almost in that like Baker, Lamar category when it comes to like making throws at the end of games to win. Um, David, let's go ahead and do the same thing with you, but on the NFC side, go ahead and give us your top four, and then we'll kind of react to that and go from that. So right off the bat, I've got both of the Bays being Green Bay and Tampa Bay, as well as Arizona. I think that was kind of like kind of the givens based mm-hmm. off just performance-wise and how dominant they have been lately. The the two that I'm kind of going indifferent on are Dallas and the LA Raiders. You mean the Rams or Rams? Sorry. Well, so what I, you have, what you have 
the Bucks, Packers, Cardinals. That's and like top three. Yeah. Okay. Those were the kind of the given for me. Okay. And then I'm borderline Dallas or the Rams. All right. I just couldn't decide which one would be four. So I'm just throwing both out there. Okay. I don't I don't like the Packers being in the top top four, but what do you think, Dom? Um, oddly enough, uh, we literally have the same list. Um, well, same teams, different order. Um, I think Cardinals clearly top of the NFC. I think they're the best team in football at this point. Um, then, yeah, I got the Bucks, Packers, and then um, really splitting hairs between the Rams and the Cowboys, probably giving the, the edge to the Cowboys if I absolutely had to pick between them. Uh, I, I don't know. All, the, all these teams are are – solid um that i think there's more separation between the top teams in the nfc than than in the afc um yeah i i think there's a a clear top four or five um then a a little bit of a fall off after that what so i guess my thing too is like i don't know i i like the packers as a team but maybe sitting in that like like if we did a top five i'd have them in that five spot you know what i mean because my my top four is cardinals bucks cowboys rams I think just the Cowboys offense is probably one of the most explosive offenses in the league. I think that they're like, other than the Cardinals, um, they're just way more balanced than any other offense that, that we probably have. They can pass it. They can throw it. Dak can run it if he wants to. And Dak's just playing like a crazy man right now. So, and then the Rams have just been kind of like, eh, like they've been good, but they haven't been like, wow, like this is an amazing team. You know what I mean? They've just been, they've been good. So, but then for the Packers, for me, is like the only reason that I have them top top five is because of Aaron Rodgers. If he wasn't on this team, I don't think that they'd even, I don't even think they'd have two wins so far this season. And I think that that's shown because there's lots of games that, that they're, they're kind of way closer than probably what it should have been for how, what on paper they look like. And like, they've almost dropped a lot of games. I understand they won it, but that's because Aaron Rodgers kind of moves the needle more so than other quarterbacks, but I don't know. I, I guess like what's what's like your guys's thing with the Packers with them being I guess in that third spot for you. For me, it's it's kind of like the whole Tom Brady effect. You don't bet against Tom Brady for unless you're proven differently. And the one loss came in Week One, and we kind of kind of addressed it, or at least Nick did, in the sense that the guy the guy showed that he didn't really try all that much for one reason or another. And so outside of that one week, he's proven that you don't bet against him for as long as he's still there. Yeah. I mean, my, my take on that one, obviously Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot hall of famer. Um, He's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but it's the team that, that, that they've, that they've put around him. They finally listened to him and gave him more of a say in player acquisition. They brought in Randall Cobb, who he has, you know, obviously he has chemistry with. Um, they're going to need him this week because Devontae Adams is out and so is Alan Lazard. Um, but, I mean, they have, you know, good skill position players around him. Aaron Jones is one of the better running backs in the league. Um, Devontae Adams is arguably one of, if not the best receivers. Um you know, Ryan Tanyan's a good tight end, but they, they've really improved that defense. Um, you know, they brought in Jalen Smith from the Cowboys. Um, they, their secondary is pretty good. 
uh, their front sevens, their, their front sevens good. Uh, there's really not that many holes on this team. Obviously, you know, besides Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devonta Adams, nothing really sticks out at you on the team as being, you know, amazing or, you know, excellent, but, you know, outside of the top three guys, they're, they're just solid football players that just get the job done. And I mean, besides week one, they destroyed the lions. They beat the Steelers by 10. They beat the Bengals in overtime. And then uh, last week they beat the football team by, you know, 14 points. So I, I, I don't see any reason to not put them in the top four. All right. No, I mean, like, listen, I, like I said, I, I think they're a good team. And I, I agree with you, David, and, and not betting against, you know, not betting against them because it's like that Tom Brady effect. But, but it's just like other than getting the one Super Bowl win that he's had, he's always come up short. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I know we're talking about right now and not at the end of the season, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like I said, I just I don't I'm not like super impressed with a lot of their wins um, as of, you know, late. And I know that you know, they beat the Steelers by 10, but that's not much. And they barely beat the Bengals, which, I mean, I guess we're seeing that the Bengals are a little bit more of a better team than than what we thought they were. But at the time, we didn't think that they were that good of a team. So, I don't well, know. They're, they're showing that they are. So that that, yeah. that gives a little bit more of a pass on that, on that game being close that they still ended up winning. Definitely, and I agree with that too. But I don't know. I just I, – when I look at the rest of the NFC, I just don't see them being in that top four because I think that – that the Cowboys would beat them. I think the I think the Rams. I think that game would go down to the wire. But I think the Rams could get it done. I, I know that Tom Brady is going to beat them, and I just don't think anybody's really beating the Cardinals right now. So I don't know. That's that's just so, why I put them in that top. So four. It, it, if if it's coming down to the end of the game, you're saying that you're going to take Matt Stafford over Aaron Rodgers to get the job done. But it's 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 the problem too is it's it's a team game. I just think that all around, like I know Aaron Jones. And, you know, Adams, they're Aaron Jones is probably what a top seven, eight running back in the league, maybe even top five, depending on how you view him. And then Adams is definitely a top three, four wide receiver in the league. That's fine. But at the end of the day, it's not like the Rams have scrubs on their side either. I mean, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. At the end of the game, like if you if you were to say like if you gave Aaron Rodgers, you know, a minute to kick to get down the field so they can kick a field goal and win the game. Like, I think that that's fine, but I think that Matthew Stafford could do the same thing. Like, I don't think Matthew Stafford is that is that much of a scrub either. Like, I think that he's, well, he's pretty he's pretty on par. You know what I mean? He might, he might be like – like, if Aaron Rodgers is, you know, 1A, Matthew Stafford is 1B. It's not like it's that far of a drop-off talent-wise. Right. Well, so, I mean, like, you, you know I've, I've been a, a Matt Stafford defender for a while, but yeah. at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm picking Aaron Rodgers over him every day of the week. But the problem too is like if, if they're playing the Rams, I mean you got who, who do you got coming at you every single play? So I don't know. And I think I think the Rams secondary is is better than what the Packers secondary is, especially since Jerry Alexander is out, I think, for what the rest of the season, if not at least I, I don't you know what I mean. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely like it's not like the Packers, like you said, they're not they're not like they don't have a bunch of amazing dudes, they just have a bunch of guys who are good enough to get it done in certain situations. But I feel like when it comes to those, you know, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals, I just don't know if they're good enough to get it done above them. That's the that's the only reason I didn't put them in the top four. I guess I understand the argument in the sense that Matthew Stafford finally now has a team in which he can work with. Because it goes back to the Detroit Lions. If, if you 
if you look at the Detroit Lions back when he was there, they were at best decent, maybe average team. And that was because of him. And you look at them now being led by Jared Goff, they're winless. They're 0-7. You can possibly make the argument for them being the first 0-17 team. So that's where I stand with them. Yeah. <laughs> They've already been an 0-16 team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Um. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like ever since he got there, he pretty much made them a decent, at least a decent team, no matter what season he played in. So you give him a decent team to play with, I can understand where Nick is coming from. Well, maybe we'll uh, revisit this conversation in like four or five weeks, you know, once we have some more games under our belt and kind of see what these teams look like five weeks down the road, kind of going into the playoffs. But let us know. Let us know how you feel about the Packers. Obviously, you know, Dom and David, you know, view it a little bit differently than mine, and, and that's fine. We're going to move on to our third down. So we're going to kind of quickly recap the game of the week last week, which was the Colts versus the 49ers. Um, just because we kind of went over a little bit with that last topic, I'm going to ask the guys to give a maybe two words that kind of describe this game or, you know what I mean, a, a quick sentence that kind of describes this game to them. Um, let's go ahead and start with Dom. Jimmy Garoppolo is average and the rest of the 49ers team, especially that defense is carrying them. Um, and Carson Wentz is okay. He's serviceable. He's not, you know, he showed that last year he's not – this year he's showing that he's not as bad as he was last year, but still not great. Um, this Colts team is good enough to hang in games, but not good enough to get really get the job done. Okay. David? This for me is the battle of the averages. Your basic team where they're winning games that they should be winning – and they're losing the games that they probably should. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think a lot of the things you guys just said came to my mind. Average, good enough, and the defense is carrying them. Like, unfortunately, I think Jimmy G's time with the 49ers is done. I think he'll be gone at the end of the season. And I think Carson Wentz is continuing to improve each week. So maybe we'll get Carson Wentz of the old. Maybe we won't. Who knows? <laughs> moving on the fourth down we I did want to break down the game that of the week that I thought was going to be probably the most telling game and I, that is going to be the Packers versus the Cardinals game so we just had that long conversation about you know Aaron Rodgers and whether or not he deserves to be you know him and the Packers deserve to be you know one of the top four teams in the NFC there I think this will be a huge test if he can get it done versus the Cardinals and and kind of give them their first loss, I think that that would maybe even prove that they could be the best team to you. So what are you guys, you know, looking to get out of this game? And what are you guys looking forward for this game, David? I'm looking out to see if, for me, for my statement to kind of like hold up, we've seen the Cardinals be absolutely dominant on both sides of the ball. So for my statement to be kind of like held up, which was, you don't bet against Aaron Rodgers unless proven differently is for that to fail. It would need to be absolute blowout for me. And for it to stand, it would need to at least minimum if they lose within a field goal. 
that's if they're if they lose. So that's where I'm. Well, that's where I'm kind of getting out of it. Okay, Dom. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, fully healthy, I could see the Packers coming away with this one. Um, even though I, I do think the Cardinals right now are the best team in football, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. They're going to drop a game at some point. And I, I think the the Packers would have given them a run for their money. Um, but being without um, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard this week, I, I just don't see it happening. You know, Randall Cobb is a, a good wide receiver. Um, Mark uh, Valdez-Scantling might come back. Um, he's all right. Um, it's They're going to have to really rely on Aaron Jones and Randall Cobb. And I don't know if those two are good enough to – carry them against you know the best team in football but I, I still think it's going to be close I don't think it's going to be a blowout um Rogers will play well enough to keep them in the game but I, I still think the Cardinals are going to come away with it I'm, I'm going to keep you know picking the Cardinals until they lose I think um but I, I do think they win this game like a lot of the reasons Dom said they just don't they're without you know a lot of their main wide receivers for the Packers and Randall Cobb's okay but he's not really a number one anymore. And and I don't even know if he's really a number two or number three. So we'll kind of have to see with that. And I don't know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is good, but I don't know if he, I don't know if he's going to be enough for just him to beat the Cardinals. So I do think the Cardinals come away with that win and, and they improve to eight. No. And we'll just have to see who beats them. But finishing off this episode, we do end every episode with our two point conversion. So for our first part of our two-point conversion, we are going to predict one thing that we think will happen in this week of football. Dom, go ahead. My prediction for this week, I think the last winless team in football, the Detroit Lions, are going to get their first win of the season. Um, They're playing the Eagles, who haven't looked that great. Um, Now they're without uh, Miles Saunders, who really wasn't doing much this year anyways. Now they really don't have a running game. Um, I, I don't think Boston Scott's really anything to write home about. Um, you know, the, the Lions have had a lot of bad luck this year. That They should have a couple wins under their belt. Um, but a uh, historic kick by Justin Tucker and uh, another kick the week before as time expired kind of, you know, cost them a couple games. Um, I, I could see I could see this game being close. I could definitely see the Lions pulling this one out. That's why I'm predicting the Lions to get their first win of the season. Okay. What's your prediction, David? It's kind of funny that you went with the Detroit Lions because I was going to go with them as well. But <laughs> I I was going to go with the opposite end. I was going to uh, say that they would be our first 0-17 team. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing predictions for the for the next week. Not the, well, I guess that is a prediction for the rest of the season or for the next week. So it's both what I think they'll do because when it comes down to it's to the worst teams of the league and it really just comes I don't think the Eagles are one of the worst teams in the league. They're, they're not great. I wouldn't say that they're one of the worst in the league. But, they're, well, I mean, they're down there. Let's just say that. They're two and five. Yeah. Well, honestly, the, the Eagles are probably like the, the best of the worst at this point. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we got, yeah, yeah. I mean, different. in all honesty, the, the Lions should be two and five as well. Well, I mean, should be and not it's two different. Are. Well, yeah. But anyways, point is, I'm going. Detroit Lions are losing, and 
season ending uh prediction of them going 0 and 17. Damn. All right. Sorry, Lions fan. <laughs> so my prediction for is I think we see just a nasty game. And again with the Steelers and the and the Browns. And not a nasty game as in like anything fun or I just think it's gonna be a bad game. I think we're going to look at that, and I don't think that the Browns' offense is going to be able to move the ball very well against the Steelers' defense, and the Steelers' offense can't move the ball anyway unless they give it to Najee Harris. So, I mean, that's just – it is what it is. He's probably the only one that can move on that offense. Yeah, exactly, and I don't know. Yeah. So, I, I think I think what we're going to get is just maybe a couple field goals. I think we're going to get to the end of the game, and it's going to be like a – Super disappointing, and whoever wins that game probably, I don't know, yay, good job, I guess, because you're talking about <laughs> teams that are probably going to end at the bottom of that division at the end of this year, so it is what it is, but I think that it's just going to be a bad game. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, I hope because I, I hope every game is good, but mm-hmm. I just don't – I don't see that one being worth watching or having said, fun. So. When you said nasty, I thought it was like, Attitudes were gonna flare. Yeah. I mean, hey, they they have might, another Miles Garrett incident you know, where he takes yeah. off his helmet. Listen, Miles no, Garrett stop hasn't hit Big Ben in the head with his helmet yet, so he might do that one too. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't I don't see that game being all that good. I I think the Steelers' defense is still top five in the league, but they can't really do much with it if you know they can't move the ball on offense. So I just I don't know. I like I said, I see it just being a gross a gross game. So. But to finish it off, we always finish off with a football trivia question. And I, I have a fun one that I found. I'm actually kind of excited that I found it. So I will go ahead and say it. And then we'll kind of pause for about 10 seconds, give you guys an opportunity to answer. And then I will let the guys go ahead and give a shot on what they think to answer. So for this week's trivia question, who was the first headliner of the first ever Super Bowl halftime. Now, don't cheat at home. Don't cheat. Don't do it. Think. I know it's hard. Most of you weren't alive at this time. <laughs> do you guys have any guesses? Is it the Rolling Stones? No. Um, trying to think of who was big at the time besides the Beatles and the, and the Stones. Well, the, I don't think they had halftime performances in the 60s and 70s. I think the halftime performance was more of a modern thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I, I think for the first, like, 10 or so Super Bowls, I think they probably just had like marching bands. Yeah, some or something. Um, You got anything, David? Or you want to give up? If he gives up, can I get another guess? No. (laughs) You get get one. And honestly, when I tell you guys, you're going to be like, what the heck? I feel like it's something really obvious, but I'm being really stupid at the time. It's it's not. It's not obvious at all. Like if you were to ask like the common person, I don't think that they would ever even have thought of this unless you're like, a huge football fan and you've watched every Super Bowl because you've been alive since like 1700. I don't know. <laughs> the first Super Bowl is in 64. I don't think you need to have been alive for the past 300 <laughs> I, years. I, to... I was being sarcastic. I know. I'm going to, for my guess, I'm going to say probably um, Aerosmith. No. You ready for this? Go ahead. The Three Stooges. What? What did they do? Just, was it a comedy skit? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to look this up. It was it was the three. Yeah, Dave, Stooges- David, David, can we can we get this fact check real quick? The three <laughs> stages headlined, and it was the University of Arizona and Grambling State Marching Band were also um, a part of it. 
I would want my money back. What year was this? 1967, January 15th, 1967. Okay, so Super Bowl three. That's, yeah. I would want my money back. <laughs> well, I mean, like back, back then, though, I mean, that's, I, I don't mean, know, maybe, fair, that, that, that show was very popular. Yeah, yeah, I get that, you know, they're, they're funny and all that, but I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to see, you know, slapstick humor at, at a halftime show at the Super Bowl, but. Then again, that was what you said, sixty-seven. Yeah, in sixty-seven, that's probably what it was. So I don't know. Uh, people still probably use the halftime show as you know their time to go to the bathroom and go to the concession stand. So not many people were probably in the stands, anyways. Probably mm-hmm. not like this year's Super Bowl halftime show when you like literally have every like legend in the game possible. So. Yeah, I still use this as my time to go to the refrigerator and get food and go to the bathroom. So I could care less. Anyway, if you could take anything from this episode was that we don't know how to stop talking. Um, the second thing is, like I said, Don hates kickers and Don doesn't And like David hates kickers. the city of Detroit. Yep. And David just wants the city of Detroit to continue to be <laughs> depressed and sad about their sports franchises. So <laughs> If you guys would like to write us, you know, uh, a strong way. Hey. Oh, don't put my name in it because I'm a Steelers fan and I'm even supporting the Bengals this year on how good they're doing. So I am definitely a non-biased person on this show. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening to these episodes. Continue to give us feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. And if we're you know, doing something wrong, let us know. It won't hurt our feelings. We just want to get better and continue to grow. But again, thank you so much. This was our eighth episode of Two Minute Drill. We are Deep Dive Sports. And until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter instagram and facebook for any update and please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next as always we are deep dive sports until next time